0: Today's topic is an alternative to LTL with my friend, David Lynch. How's it going, David? I'm very good. How are you, Joe? Doing great. Doing great. So please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today.
1: Right. So my name is David. I'm our VP of growth at uh, Warp. That's uh, wearewarp.com. I'm from Ireland originally, uh, but I've lived about between Spain, uh, the US, Mexico, but I'm actually based in Calgary, Alberta. So this week we've got the Calgary Stampede on, which has been quite a time. I've caught up on all my country vans that I missed over the COVID pandemic, which has been pretty great. What is that stampede? You were telling me before we hit record. Yeah. By the way, I've all, this
0: week I've talked to a whole bunch of Calgary folk and... It's an incredible story up there. Uh so talk a little bit about I mean I I don't know if for for our American group who don't even know our own country very well. <laughs> if you look at Calgary, it's one of the big oil producers. In fact, a lot of the oil that we use here, I think comes from if you're is
1: from Calgary and then I think it gets refined in Texas. It's from the north. So if, like as far north as Fort McMurray and you go right up even 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 further north than that. That's kind of where it comes from and then it makes its way down to Texas. That's right.
0: And But what we've had is because of all that that success in the oil business, and I think they do a lot of agriculture, but now they're a tech center.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't think of it that way. We go, oh, is that, that's a prairie, right? Mm-mm-mm. No, and, and you know what? A lot of amazing people in Calgary have done a great job at bringing jobs here. I personally, myself, have over the last five years worked hard to bring you know as many as 20 jobs to Calgary that were completely, you know, disconnected from the oil and gas business because there are really great people in Calgary, really hardworking people. And they have some very different approaches to how they do business. And I think, uh, I think it's only going to grow. Like there are some amazing companies you can check out here in Calgary, tech companies. You know, there's a few unicorns as well. And yeah, it's a great community too. But the Calgary Stampede, more importantly, is titled The Greatest Show on Earth. And honestly, you know, I grew up in Ireland, right? So we don't have country music that much. But I grew up with my dad putting Shania Twain on in the car for those long drives that he would do. My dad's a farmer originally. So, you know, I would get in the car with him when he was shipping horses around the country. Or, you know, if my older brother was going to a show jumping event. And he always said to me, he said, you know, if your mom wasn't around, Shania would be the only other woman that I'd (laughs) (laughs) take. And we had that moment over kind of country music. And so I really got into it when I moved here a couple of years ago and it essentially has a mix of you got the rodeo you've got the chuck wagons
0: wait what's a chuck wagon like food
1: chuck wagon is a wagon like you've seen in country western shows that they used to ride on when they went out uh, Went out west to the, what do they call it? What do they call West back in the day? Back, I can't remember what they called it. They had a famous saying (laughs) first. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. And it's kind of the unknown. I can't remember. But anyway, and the chuck wagon is ridden by, it's two guys on the back, four horses, and they race around a track. And it is incredibly exciting. But more importantly, they've also got some of the best country music bands coming into town playing, like I've seen uh, Brothers Osborne this week. I've seen Zach Brown Band this week. I've seen some incredible musicians that normally, Joe, you'd have to see in an 80,000-seater stadium with binoculars from the back. And I'm sitting in front of these guys going, this is, you know. So it really does, it's a moment in time. I spoke to a guy, I had a pint, and I was sitting in a tent there on Tuesday evening. And I speak to this guy, he's a big, tall man. And I just say, like, to him, he's got this smile on his face. And you can tell he's just at peace with himself after probably everything that's happened with COVID. And I look to him and I say, you look like a happy man. And he says, man, you know what? This is it for us. The stampede. You'll you will meet Calgarians and, and how they are here now better than ever. And I was kind of like, that's thats awesome. And he bought me a drink as well. So I couldn't explain. <laughs> you know, that's Irish
0: hospitality there. I've joked about I've not joked about it, but I've said many times on my podcast, as we come to the tail end of COVID, and as COVID fades away, but I was traveling a few weeks ago and I got COVID coming home. My second time, I got two shots. I even got the booster. I've got an elderly mom. So I went and got the booster and I've gotten COVID twice. I got it last year and I got this year. I'm like,
1: come on, COVID. Stop. Stop it already. Let us free. I've been very fortunate. I think I've only gotten it once and I'm, I'm too social, Joe. That's my problem. So I don't know I've only gotten it once, but there you go. Yep. So talk a little bit about
0: how did you how did you end up at Warped? I mean, where'd you go to school? Did you go to school in Ireland? And then uh, how did you end up working with Warped?
1: I, I went to University College Cork and I spent time in Madrid, Spain for two years before moving to Calgary, Alberta, working for Pernod Ricard. And at the time, I enjoyed the wine and spirits space. So that's Southern Wine and Spirits. For those of you in the, in the US, you might know they're one of the big distributors or Pernod Ricard USA. Really enjoyed it. But I just felt like I wasn't at 100% capacity. Let's put it in the, in the trucking way. I wasn't an FTL. Yeah, right. I felt like I was uh, a little bit less than truckload uh, in, in my endeavors. And I felt like I needed a change. And so I looked for jobs in technology here. But at the time, there wasn't a lot. And so a guy reached out to me that I'd known from playing rugby as a kid. And, and uh, he basically offered me, he said, look, man, there's five of us in a basement. I'm in need of a Dave Lynch to go and do a whole bunch of things, Swiss Army knife it, so to speak. And I moved to London, England, and worked for Line 10, a great delivery management platform out there in the market today. And I worked all the way from hammering phones up to running operations in North America when I moved back out to Canada, uh, actually during the pandemic, which was a very interesting experience, I'll tell you that. And in that time, Troy and Dan reached out and said, hey, look, I'd worked with them already in their in their previous endeavors in last mile in, in last mile solutions. And they said, we have an amazing thing going here we've cracked the code or part of the code in how to help people solve challenges in middle mile logistics and i was kind of like this is an amazing piece because it's always come up as a conversation as a topic and we've also had to partner in the past in the last mile space with middle mile companies to make things work to make things click so i immediately jumped on board headed down to la where i spent five weeks with the team working, getting right into the mix. You know yourself, when it's a small startup at the beginning, it's go, go, go. And now I'm kind of eight weeks, nine weeks into the job, owning PR, marketing and solution sales here at Warp. And honestly, it's I can't tell you how exciting it is to be here. Like These guys are amazing, but more importantly, the people we have in the company are the hardest workers you'll ever meet. Hardest workers in the room, as we say. And they really care about Solving these problems for our shippers, so that's how I came about getting into work.
0: So you mentioned the founders, Daniel. So I interviewed Daniel. I'm going to screw up his name, Sokolowski. That's that's fine. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sokolowski. Yeah.
0: So he and who is his partner? Troy.
1: What's his name? Troy Lester. Yeah, Troy Lester.
0: And they had some success, and in another business, which was Final Mile. What was what was their first company?
1: That, so Daniel founded Axelhire, which is a company still very successful today.
0: So that's a wildly successful company. And so that was final mile. So these are guys who, um, and they did that with more or less a tech, tech perspective and they killed it, right?
1: So, so you're kind of nailing it there a bit. Tech perspective, but also Daniel and Troy are unbelievable operators. They will get into the sweatiest, tiniest micro fulfillment space and, you know, make it work no matter what. Like they have this unbelievable, they just have this, these blinders on that, like, we'll make it work. There isn't a no, there does not exist. The answer of no, we can't do this, which by the way, I'm very similar. Like growing up all my life, I've always been someone who's like, never give up almost to a fault. And what I love about these guys is they, by being that way in their previous endeavors in hire, et etc., they come into this middle mile space with so many refreshing ideas. And that's where we're like really taking hold of opportunity here is people are now looking for people like Daniel, people like Troy to not just say like, yeah, I have a load, I can move it for a price. They're looking for you to help them solve their problems. The world is getting more and more complex in this LTL space, uh, more and more complex, even in the FCL space, you know, optionality, who's out there, Who's who's available, what's possible. And I just find these guys are getting the whole company aligned on the idea that like, Let's focus on the job that needs to be done, the problem we're trying to solve, and not just kind of trying to float a price out there and see what see what happens. Um, so yeah, no, look, they're 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 kings in the last mile space, and now they're they're making their way aggressively through the middle mile space as well. So should we should clarify before we hit record? We talked about this idea that we didn't used
0: to say first mile, last mile, middle mile. Yes, that's correct. And, yeah. and so uh, just to clarify for people who are saying, what the hell are they talking about? final mile is usually from like a warehouse could be a third party logistics warehouse, but it's usually from warehouse or, or, or
1: even store. It yep. be a could be a store solution. Yep. Yeah.
0: And it could be to a home or increasingly to a business because more and more yeah. businesses are using e-commerce. So when we used to say direct to consumer DTC and e-commerce, we used to use that in, you know, use either term. I think now we can say final mile could be to a business the middle mile is usually from a dc maybe a company dc to a a warehouse or a store right
1: yeah you've 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 hit that warehouse to warehouse and uh continue yeah yeah Yeah,
0: and then the first mile is usually from the maker whoever produced it or it could be if you're talking about in the united states it could be from uh Maybe from a port directly to that. So, so, and I think those definitions they blur a little bit. But basically, uh, they do. And I'm
1: glad you said that. The middle
0: mile is typically warehouse to warehouse, or DC to warehouse, or DC to district DC.
1: And this is where it gets interesting. You know, and and I don't mean to like plug work a little bit, but you know, I really do believe by having you know such experience in the last mile space, trying to solve for customer comes in and says, we want to reach our customers in this market. Oh, but the problem is is we don't have a warehouse in this market. Oh, okay. And so when do you want to reach it by? Well, we want to do next day delivery. And where's your current warehouse? Well, it's in Pennsylvania. And you want to do this in California, in LA. Okay, right, in where? Venice. Okay, all right. By, instead of saying, okay, we we don't have carriers, we can't do that. But instead saying like, okay, Tell me a little bit more about like the KPIs you're trying to achieve. Tell me a bit more about like the why, that behind, like why you think your customers are going to want next day or maybe today or maybe same day. We've been more open-minded in our approach to solving their problems, which has led to not just doing the final mile, but actually in many cases, last mile companies now do a degree of middle mile. And we even do this for last mile companies today, inner city, middle mile. Why, what is it? It's a warehouse to a warehouse, you said it yourself. It could also be store to store, stock reallocation, because it's not going to that end customer. And we do all of that for a number of different customers today. Now, someone might say, well, hold on a second, middle mile is FTL it's, uh, or it's LTL, it's, it's using these big trucks, These you know, that's what it is. No, it's not. It's all I'm telling you is I'm moving it between these two points and it's not hitting that end customer, so I'm gonna use a Sprinter van. I'm gonna use a box truck. And I'm gonna decrease loading times by X hours and I'm gonna decrease costs by Y by Y dollars, you know. Right.
0: So I wanna I wanna kind of set the table here. And again, today's the today's topic an alternative to LTL with my friend David Lynch. And when I say friend David Lynch, we're probably related somewhere back back in the old in the old country. <laughs> but yeah. You're not the first lynch. I had another lynch on my podcast and he he was mostly English though. We're most, we're Irish, I think. (laughs) I don't mind that. I'm a few generations removed. But so first off, when we talk about less than truckload, I want to talk about, first off, why less than truckload is more important than ever. And then some of the challenges we have, but less than truckload kind of that market evolved over time. And if you needed a, a, let's just say five pallets move from New York to LA, I don't want to get a full truck because I'm going to lose money because that's a whole big truck. So what I would, you know, imagine back in the day, somebody says, can I just put these five pallets on the back of your truck? And then at some point they evolved and these are basically partial loads. And it's, it's a fantastic approach when it works and it usually works. I'm not, I don't want to be super critical of the space, but it is a challenging space. And the way it would work is, let's just say I'm here in the, so Sam was in the New York area and those five pallets, I would call the LTL carrier. They would come pick it up almost like an old fashioned milkman. They would go on a route. They would pick up my five pallets, take it back to a terminal, put it with a whole bunch of other people's stuff. And then it would go from New York towards LA. It would probably stop along the way, yep. depending, maybe it stops in Chicago, maybe it stops in St. Louis, wherever. And it's picking stuff up and also dispersing. So some of that stuff going from New York to say Chicago ends up in Indianapolis. And then you add more stuff that's heading to LA. It might take much longer to get to LA rather than, you know, if you had a full truck, and again, I didn't wanna pay a full full truck for my five pallets. It might take three or four extra days, five extra days, whatever it takes to get out there to California. Um, but I paid, I pay, even though I paid more per unit price, overall, my price is lower. So it's not a bad deal. And then by the way, when it gets to LA that hub and spoke, it's that milk band there, somebody takes that stuff out on a route. And so usually I think the way the LTL carriers work is first thing in the morning, they go deliver all of the pallets. And then in the afternoon, the drivers go pick everything up and take it back to the terminal. So that has been a good way to work for a long time. There's some issues with it. And I want to talk a little bit about those issues. First off, it's more costly per unit, per unit move, which is fine because overall you're moving fewer units. I think traditionally, because it does have more handling, usually, you get more damage, you get more stuff lost. Because Loading time as well is, is another piece of the puzzle they're taking. Because you're taking it off of one big, one truck and maybe transferring it. And by the way, the LTL carriers are all working to get, the, sometimes you see those short pups, they don't want to unload those things either. They would prefer a short pup of, of the short trucks where they say this one's going straight to LA and it's not going to get unloaded. That might work better because again, the, the, lo- the loading and unloading is where damage can happen. It's where
1: accessorials as well or something else, you know, that you yes. can't necessarily always account for on the way. There's so many, essentially, there's a lot of external factors to that truck and where it's going and sorry, where it's picking up from and where it's stopping on the way that can impact the price and impact time. And that's one of the the biggest challenges there. Now look, at the end of the day, there is a need for it because if you are moving something that can sit in dry, that that you don't need to have for a period of time, weeks, then it might work out okay for you. But if you have called someone and they're telling you, which is kind of crazy, yeah, it should take about 10 days, but could also take 20. You're trying to like run a cost exercise as a logistics manager or run a cost exercise as an owner operator. Some fella who's started this new company, it's starting to boom. You're trying to build it into something really special and unique. And you're trying to also account for costs that you don't know you might be able to cover and time, you know, that's where it gets challenging. But, but I want to make it clear for the purpose of this podcast, is there an alternative to LTL? Not completely. Are there situations where there is an alternative? Yes.
0: We need some supplements. And by the way, you guys aren't the only one who are looking at this market. Flock Freight's doing this in a, in a different, little different way. You're seeing a lot of companies pop up because LTL has struggled. And I should also mention, I used to be the general manager, uh, COO of a company, we of a logistics company. We did a lot of LTL, it was most of our business. And the billing
1: they you have. capture her. Good yeah,
0: yeah, it turned gray. By the way, the gray ones are the only ones that are loyal. I used to pluck the gray ones. I shouldn't have done that because now there's some sparse areas there. But if you look at LTL, they have this, I think, very convoluted pricing. And there's some companies that are moving away from their pricing model. And I always used to say that complexity is the enemy of quality. There's nothing worse than when you're an LTL shipper. And somebody says, hey, it's going to be like... $600. And then it comes back. Actually, that got reclassified. It's not a It's not a $600 shipment. It's an $800 shipment. And you're like, what? <laughs> but that happens. And again, I think they're working on that. The LTL industry, again, I, I, I'm a big fan. I did work in it, but we do need it more than ever before. And I'll get to that in just a second. But another challenge we have with this is there's 10 big LTL carriers that make up 80% of the volume. And I think old dominions out there, FedEx, UPS, uh, Estes, these are big, big, big companies. But there's, when you have 80% of the market controlled by 10 companies, and I think the top 25 carriers make up 90% of the market, it's not the same as full truckload where the biggest player has one and a half percent of the market. And so there's not as many options and we need this more than ever with e-commerce.
1: Well, hold on. So also, if at any point in any, in, any biz, in any industry, in any business in general, the lower the number of competitors, the less likely you are to see innovation. That's just a fact. Because if you don't need to innovate to retain your percentage of the market, Why would you invest money in something that today is defunct? And that's one of the hardest things when you're looking at, you know, resource planning, you know, when you're looking at your profit formula, it's very hard for you to actually look over there and go, I know we need to improve the way that we communicate and educate people on rates. I know we need to improve the way that we kind of add accessorials. And you see some companies now coming to the fore with like big goals in mind to say, we're just going to give you the cost up front. That's going to be the cost that's not going to change, which is very powerful. But it's very hard for companies to move in that direction. The second piece for me is when you look at that space, it's really hard to get into it because of the cost, the upfront cost that you need to you need to contribute to actually get going. These are
0: big boys doing it. If you look at FedEx now, FedEx it obviously has their parcel business, and so, but I, from what I've always read, FedEx makes money with their. LTL division and it supports their uh, parcels division. I think UPS didn't, UPS being a big dog, obviously, in parcel, I don't think they made money with their LTL division. I think they sold that off now to what is it, T Force, I think in Canada. Could be. Yeah. But, and, but I guess my point to this is it's a challenging space. You have very big companies in it and uh, there's not a million options. And I think. Here's why LTL is more important than ever before. And we talked a little bit about this. E-commerce is coming faster and faster. It's a bigger part of the market every year. 20 years ago, if you were to build a distribution center, you might build it in Indiana and say, I can hit 65% of the U.S. population in one day. One day is not good enough in for a lot of e-commerce shippers. What they want now is, I want same day next day, which means I'm going to have inventory closer to the, closer to the consumers, which means they are going to have smaller warehouses and more of them. And who's going to support those smaller warehouses? LTL. So we need alternatives. This, so they're having a new stressor here. They need help.
1: <laughs> well, let me, let me also challenge that narrative though, Joe, because, <clears throat> you know, when we look at alternatives an alternative to LTL, there, there's a few alternatives. But one that's kind of funny is and it takes away like the whole, you know, connecting yourself to multiple warehouses, but it actually like gets you to take stock again of what it is you're selling and what it is by when it is that customers need it and actually trying to ask yourself whether you should be, you know, essentially moving your stuff across multiple warehouses or consolidating into one, two warehouses and then deciding, actually, can I just go back to FTL then if essentially what I'm doing is Simplifying the routes and and the network that I use. That's actually one way to 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 alternate or to moving away from LTL as a as a need or as right. a service. But what's happened over time is we've all, especially in the US, it's 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 crazy. Especially in the US, what's happened is people have said like, well, I need a warehouse close to the customer, so I'm going to go spend a ton of money. I'm the I'm the warehouse guy. I got this budget. I worked really hard to get this budget. Now I've done it, now I've built it. Now what happens is someone else comes along like David and goes, I don't know if that's a really good idea to be distributing from that warehouse, but you've just gone and spent a whole bunch of your boss's money on this thing. Are you gonna listen to me? Absolutely not. You're gonna say, thank you, you're a crazy person. A.K. I'm not getting, you know, like I'm I'm comfy here. This is a good setup. I've done a good job of building this warehouse. So you have also a lot of competing goals, competing narratives. there's
0: no one right answer. You have to do the math.
1: Yeah, well. I mean, to a degree, but I mean, I'm sure if we, if we sat down over pints, I'm sure we'd get to a point where I'd be about four pints deep saying there's about, there is one answer, but that's how I am sometimes. And you know, if anybody out there has listened to this and ends up seeing me in a pub, you're more than welcome to chat chat with me. But it, but that's one of the pieces for me that can be a challenge. And I think when we go back to it, and this is why I really like working with Warp, we're very open-minded in terms of our approach to partner with carriers out in the market. And I think the way LTL is going to be solved is there's going to be partnerships that will spring up because there are carriers out there who have the assets. There are companies out there like work, that are building technology that have such a profound understanding the technology required in this space. No, better, have a profound understanding of how to listen to a carrier who has a profound understanding of what's needed in the space so that we can then build the technology that's needed in the space. Hope that makes sense for everyone listening, right? And I believe you're going to see a future, hopefully, where you have these amazing partnerships, where a carrier comes with the assets, you come with the technology, and you partner together to co-sell, to create LTL, um, LTL solutions that are more profound, and finally, actually start focusing just on, like, what's the problem we're trying to solve? And hopefully the carrier, this is the offset, is rather than pushing LTL all the time, will actually go, oh, we can just put these in box trucks. We can just put these in Sprinter round. We can just, we can actually just, we can just, because we partnered with Warp and we know actually with partnering with Warp, we're co-signing this together. So we're all going to win anyway. So let's not do LTL for this. Let's not do LTL for this.
0: And you know, it's interesting. Uh, we have, during COVID, we had very difficult demand signals, right? So during, when we were all locked down, we had, we we couldn't go to restaurants. We couldn't go on vacation. We couldn't buy cars. So what we ended up is buying um, stuff for the home. Dogs. Right? Yeah. Stuff for the homes that, yeah, you got an extra dog or two. But there was a lot of home improvement stuff bought. There was computers bought. People bought all sorts of stuff. Big screen TVs.
1: Pelotons.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My daughter walked on and took it like an extra six months to get there. Yeah. So they bought, people bought like that. And then when, as things opened up a little bit, things changed. So we've had a challenge. Uh, if, you, if you were a, a big retailer during COVID, you were just struggling to get goods in. Right. So what do you do? You start ordering a little extra. Right. And now as things open up and you find out consumers are buying different things. That's why we have some of the larger and I'll say the best retailers like Walmart and Target struggle with inventory challenges. And inventory is the beast. Oh because God. because you wanted it, you wanted it desperately. You said, give me those big screen TVs. And then they got there. And no, no sooner than they get there, you say, oh, then we don't need them anymore. It
1: was It's very funny you talk about Target.
0: One of the things that these retailers are starting to realize is we can spend extra on on transportation. So I'll give you an example here, and I've used this one before. Let's just say I'm a tire company, and I've got 30 locations in Calgary. And I say, I'm, I, I don't want to carry 800 kinds of tires at every location. But I do have a one location that I want to carry everything at. Maybe it's a DC, maybe it's a big store. Maybe I carry 800 types of tires there, and then I maybe carry the 60 that are the most common in all the stores. And then when I do need that rare tire that's set of four, I can transport it from the 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 big dog, the big the one that has carries the 800. And that's that's the kind of thing I think we're going to see more and more of.
1: And it's having, sorry, it's having the flexibility to be able to move, like stock replenishment, stock reallocation.
0: But when you but you look at that, I actually did a, a podcast with uh, the guys Jeff Flowers from One Rail, and they're doing that for some of the tire companies. And what's interesting about that is I don't have to carry inventory for 800 tires at 40 stores. I carry it at one store, and now I and I and I use it. A, 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 my carrier network to deliver when I need it. And hopefully it can be there, you know, in an hour, two hours, whatever it is. So I, so I don't have a customer who walks out the door and goes down the street. And I think what we're seeing from the big retailers, Target and Walmart is with this inventory, they might spend extra on transportation to get that stuff to where the consumers are. So inventory carrying costs, needs to start being more and more of the equation that we talk about as transportation logistics people, because they very well, those inventory carrying costs might be higher than the transportation costs.
1: Well, you've seen their earnings, Target specifically, saw enormous profits from store fulfillment. And, And it makes sense for Target because it's basically a warehouse. So is Walmart. Like what Walmart have you walked into that was like in a lovely corner shop? you know, offering espressos and flat whites and also Walmart product, none. They're they're the biggest stores you'll ever go to. So it makes complete sense that they're used as fulfillment centers for click and collect and for delivery to home. More so click and collect, because like realistically, the, the where the consumer is headed for, for us, in our opinion, is there's stuff that you'll need immediately. And in that instance, and I'm one of those, I'm getting in my car and I'm just going to go and do a click and collect, like the air conditioner I bought, because it's Uncontrollably hot here in Calgary right now. Um, and then there's stuff that you actually Canada doesn't schedule.
0: have AC everywhere either. That's because you know, it doesn't, doesn't know, always get hot. It was cold.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I think, I think with respect to Target, uh, what they've done, you know, there's, there's really interesting. If you look up Target over, over supply of stock, you'll find 15 articles. If you look up Target and their earning success, you'll find 15 articles and they're both kind of contradictory because one is basically saying they have too much stock at store level and the other saying is they have the stock at store level and they're fulfilling so it's a little bit up in the air what's what but i'll just say from common sense it's it is a warehouse unlike so i'm always cautioning people i'm like you need to have the space to be able to offer that sort of service to to customers and it can't just be like a nice corner store called mary's flowers you know what i mean it it needs to be more profound right and by
0: the way you see target and Walmart. And again, those I mentioned those a lot on my podcast because they are kind of the leaders in the space. And they do have, I think, 80, 89, 90, 95. I've heard all sorts of different numbers, but very high percentage of the online sales get fulfilled by a store. And a lot of it could be order online, pick up at store. And Walmart just opened up this new service called Go Local. And I think their Go Local is not only going to deliver stuff I think they're using gig economy or maybe they're using their own employees I'm not sure but not only will they be doing their stuff, they'll be moving other people's stuff. So where you mentioned Walmart being a warehouse, they're acting like a warehouse and this these are with their existing locations. Imagine their new stores. So as they open up new stores, who knows what model we'll see but I want to switch gears for just a second here. So first off I want to describe some of the challenges we have with LTL. And then why we why it's nice to have some alternatives. So again, LTL is a little more costly per unit sold. I think that's per, per unit moved. I should say, which is fine. There is sometimes some timing and delivery challenges, especially during COVID. They were actually I heard the term used embargo. I'd never heard it before. Basically, you call the LTL carrier and they say guys, we're three weeks behind. We're not going to pick up your stuff today, which is a bad thing to hear from your carrier. I don't know who is doing it, but it's been mul- mul- mentioned multiple times in my uh, show. So we that's that's the, sh- the the driver shortage, the people shortage, the dock worker shortage that we've seen elsewhere. And then get, we get 10 big providers that do 80% of the volume. So you don't have unlimited options. And by the way, not all of those top 10 have have national footprints. It's another yep. challenge only 3 or 4 or 5 have national footprints so if you're a national player say I want I might have to work with multiple LTL companies that might be a challenge we do have more handling with LTL it does uh, result in more damage more loss that's just the nature of it so we we want some alternatives and by the way LTL being more important than ever because of e-commerce so Describe a little bit about what you guys are doing and how it is a, either an re, outright replacement for or a nice supplement to the LTL that people might be moving.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, we're, we're kind of taking a look more in depth at just because we found that where we have challenged the problem statement, like where we've actually spent more time going, Johnny, what is the, the, what is the job you're trying to get done here? What are you trying to do? we find that we're able to come up with, and this is the best way to put it. They've built up this tower of blocks like Jenga, right? The logistics manager comes us and they go, this is what I wanna do, this is what it is, and uh, I need you to give me a rate <clears throat> to move these pallets from here to here. And then what Dan and Troy have told us to do is take the blocks and deconstruct the whole thing down to the floor. And then what we end up finding out yeah, is- You're asking the hard questions. <laughs> and honestly we're more than happy for people to tell us i don't want to answer those hard questions and we'll send you on your way and we'll say best of luck you know there's plenty of ltl companies out there that will help you or or, or you know uh, no problem but the the customers that do partake in that exercise what we're finding is in many cases they don't have to use an ltl solution they can use um you know we we have a customer that was using ltl for some time in in texas specifically in austin and they were Uh, using like they were trying to find LTL resources to kind of just move around the city itself which was sounds pretty crazy for like interstore transfers so essentially they had no idea that the possibility of box trucks the possibility of smaller vehicles was something they could avail of because they'd come from such an FTL LTL space that they just didn't think well and then when they looked at last mile, remember, Joe, what do people think of think last mile? They're like, oh, well, I'm not going to the customer. Right. I'm only going, he- I'm kind of going here.
0: I'm not going to a house. I'm going to a business.
1: <laughs> yeah. So they reached out and they said, hey, we need an LTL solution. Okay, cool. Well, where are you going? Well, we, we need it for uh, kind of around the city. I'm like, oof. stop, slow down. Let's start again. What are you moving? We're moving this. Okay. How much are you moving? We're moving this much. Okay, right. So you think because it's, you know, five or six pallets, it's okay. And and tell me about the pickup point, the drop-off point, the loading base. Okay, great. So how about this? We're going to use box trucks, we're going to use sprinter vans, we're going to decrease the loading time, which like we've 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 put on the clock by as total loading time by as much as two hours. We'll probably end up decreasing the cost by as much as fifteen percent, which actually we decreased it by eighteen percent. And the end result is you'll actually have greater flexibility with these vehicle types because you can schedule with less notice and you can actually even go to picking a dedicated service. Now that's not LTL at all. I wanna make it clear for this podcast, what I've just defined is not LTL, but what they asked for originally was LTL. And so one of the things we're doing is deconstructing the problem and saying like, okay.
0: So if I wanted to deliver, let's just say, three or four pallets to a, a DC, uh, To a warehouse, maybe a third-party warehouse for delivery, and I have a a DC. I could say I'm going to. Those five pallets could go in a box truck or in a Sprinter van, just as easily as LTL. Now, now now here's the here's the rub, and maybe I know you have an answer for this. Is and when I'm doing LTL, they're, they're responsible for this whole thing and they have technology and I can kind of track everything. How do you guys manage that piece? Because now, you know, I've Sprinter Van, to me, I think that's final mile. But you're saying, no, it can be middle mile. But how do, I,
1: how do I make sure that when I go into my system, I know where my stuff's at? Let me ask you this. From final mile, what do you know about tracking? How important is it? It's very important. <laughs> it's, it's existential. We come from that space. So we went in the middle mile and we found out that there was very little tracking. The other day I spoke to a customer and said, how how do you track? How do you find out? Oh, I send a, just an email.
0: With LTL, my remembrances, and again, probably updated since then where they say out for delivery. (laughs) So, so I know my stuff's on a truck and, and if it's three o'clock, I go, well, they normally stop by, I don't know, five, six or six, six o'clock. So I'm thinking your stuff's going to be there in the next hour or two, right? That, that, that is not a, that is not maybe the most precise timing.
1: (laughs) No. And so what we've done in short is coming from that last mile space, we've thought of innovative ways to give drivers, the actual drivers, without having to download an app, which, by the way, there's lots of dispatch apps out there, especially in the last mile space. Guess what? People don't like having tons of apps on their phone. It's a pain in the butt to toggle between them. You know, the only people that are really up to it is is generally you're going to be your gig economy that's toggling between Uber, DoorDash, et cetera. So what we're saying is you don't have to download an app. We're going to send you a text message as a driver. You're going to open that up and you'll be able to, like, manage your route from there and that will give us real time updates on that load and where it's going which means the customer is completely connected. The second thing we do though is we have this absolutely incredible customer success and dispatch team at Warp that like I I've I've never seen anything like it. And I think it's because a lot of them have come again from the last mile space to be honest with you and their ability to let the customer know if there's a problem or let the customer know if there's something that they need to know before a customer ever thinks about it. Is phenomenal, which means as per the goal of my CEO, Dan, nobody ends up looking at their dispatch. Nobody looks at our tracking technology because they don't need to, because they know that if there's a problem, they'll probably hear from us first before they ever reach out to us. So that's how we're kind of touching on solving the the, the tracking challenges there with respect to when we give an alternative to LTL you know we're we're giving drivers the power to give updates do you
0: vet and so you might have i'm just thinking you know if I've, i think of an ltl company i think of all their their shiny trucks with all the same brand on it and you go oh that's very nice you guys obviously using a whole bunch of different carriers so it might be a sprinter van it might be a regular econoline van box trucks all these different and these are all these are all part of your network do you vet each one of these and measure their okay
1: we have a carrier team at warp uh that was probably the first team at work. So when we were founded, there was Dan, Troy and the carrier team because of how important it is to Dan and Troy that well, first of all, that like having a a clear understanding of the the quality of the carrier you're working with is, is essential, the drivers you're working with. But secondly, when you can build good relationships with those carriers and often, like, you know yourself what the trucking space looks like, independent drivers that have their own company and that have their own truck. That have their own trailer, you could potentially build that relationship for life. And these guys have done a phenomenal job. Like I've never been in a company before where I'll say to Dan and Troy, um, "We've had an inbound lead. This is what it looks like. It's in the basin in LA. It's in the basin in San Diego." And literally, even though like you know, obviously Dan is a little bit stepped away from it, but Dan will walk past you in the in the co-working space in LA, and they go, "There's the there's the there's those three, three lads we know." Just give him a call troy he's like calls them three lads. oh my god it's so great to hear from you guys absolutely we'll do whatever you want because they've worked with troy and dan and know when they get business from those two it's the best business they also know that they've done a good job for troy and dan and troy and dan have always been committed to ensuring that like if there are drivers out there that do a good job they will get work again and that sounds very small like it doesn't sound as automated technically but all of these drivers are logged like we have them in our system so we're able to reach out to them very effectively and and assign accordingly
0: it is a new space but and in, but and in, 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 let me say this i'll put my corporate ha- on here for a second if i was working at some big company and say well i want to work with this one of these big ltl carriers but we do know that they've again had some fall downs and so you say yeah they might be a big company but that doesn't make them immune from of the problems of COVID and just the problem of the driver shortage that never goes away. And so I think what you're talking about is there's people who've been in, they might've built their company starting with final mile stuff, but now seeing opportunity in the middle mile and saying, I can do this just as easily. Maybe I can move something from a DC to a warehouse five days a week for somebody or four days a week, and they become part of your network. And I think- This is new, but I think we're all kind of open to it because I think the gig economy in itself can have some challenges. But when you put a a company like Warped in there and say we will vet them and we will manage them, and if they aren't playing if they aren't playing fair, we won't we won't uh, use them anymore. And you built a network just no different than a network of truckload carriers.
1: Yeah, you're right. Also, though we vet them check them make sure they can be to the performance you need which by the way is is pretty it's pretty impossible in the gig economy space we're not in the gig economy space and we're talking about these drivers and these relationships but most importantly we design the solution so we come up with the way to solve the problem you're having not just for you but for the carrier which means the carrier feels comfortable knowing he's been looked after she's been looked after that's that's tantamount to our success. You can't just solve a problem for a customer and then like shove you know, a, a square peg into a round hole. You have to make sure, first and foremost, your carriers are looked after appropriately because that's when they come back to you. That's when they give you all the love. When they go, these guys are, are filling my books with work. These guys are keeping me at home. These guys give me peace of mind so I don't have to do these long hauls that I used to do anymore. I can actually use the same 28 foot truck that I had not to do just like interprovincial, provincial if it was Canada, interstate. I can actually now use this truck just in the city that I'm in and I'm being kept busy. And I love working hard and I love grinding out my hours every day. And it's because companies like Warp are thinking about how to repurpose the vehicle that I have rather than making me go sell it and find something else. That's pretty cool. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And again, I think I think what we described is an alternative to LTL. And again, I think you said it many times throughout the podcast there is no one-for-one one replacing LTL. No, no, and nor do we want to. But I do think the the demands of the market, with especially uh, the last few years, is showing that we do need new, new alternatives. So I think um, we're starting to see them in the market. And by the way, there's a lot of people who have. When I used to sell LTL, they'd say, "Well, we only do full truckload." Well, that's not that's not a good solution either for most people. And, you know, again, everybody's a little different, and so. LTL's here to stay, but I think the alternatives are here to stay too. Because there's just a, a, there's a glaring need for it. We need more help, and uh, this this supporting supporting e commerce, whether it's B two B or B two C, is increasingly important. We're gonna have to to really keep our minds open. And I like that you kind of said that throughout. Is that's what Warp is doing is deconstructing the problem and then reconstructing the problem. Reconstructing the solution.
1: No, but like, Joe, that's our success is we're super open-minded people. And so at the end of the day, and in a, in a at times a very closed-minded space, at times a, hey, this has been the way it's been run for 60 years. Like, I'm 31 years old. So I totally appreciate that some people look at me and go, you were in a nappy when <laughs> I was already six, seven years in this gig. Who Who are you? And I appreciate that completely. And that's why... Generally speaking, in any room I walk into, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a decent amount of experience, a lot of experience working with a lot of different vehicle types and, and a lot of different customers. I'll tell you, I have some absolutely wild stories working from grocery to food catering, which is the scariest thing you'll ever do. You know, literally $4,000 worth of product on, on the back of a moped bike <laughs> or in like a van. Crazy stories that needs to get there in 30 minute windows, nuts. But the thing that's like, helped us come this far is we're willing to sit down we're willing to listen to the problem as long as you're willing to share the problem and i think as we start to do that more what you're going to find is people will need ltl less and less because we'll probably find out other parts around that middle mile specifically last mile what they're trying to do and and adjust the approach a little bit so that it yep. fits into an alternative to LTL does that make sense right i like if you if you change the the request for the last mile solution if you, if you change it to make a little bit more sense here a little bit more sense there you don't always have to go right. LTL
0: and i would say this is that as we get more more alternatives in any any space you find out where the industry sweet spot is so i think there's going yes. to be places where you're going to say you know what we don't want to deliver to factories let the ltl guys do that they do that wonderfully let them do that
1: right <laughs> oh we've, we've <laughs> said no to i want to say this for the record we've said no to tons of work we've right. we've gone on a call and someone said this needs to go cross country and we've just said like we're not really going to offer you a better price than what you get in the market to yeah. be honest and we're not right. going to tell you we're going to save your life like you know, yeah. we'd recommend going with any of the big 10 players. And, yep. you know, if you have anything else that you want to talk about, you can always give us a call. Don't yeah. hesitate to just to call us and say hello. Even That's that's kind of our approach. Yep. There.
0: So I want to wrap this bad boy up. So I'm going to, I'm going to summarize. And I want to get your final thoughts on this. So today's topic, an alternative to LTL with my friend David Lynch. And we talked a little bit about less than truckload and some of the challenges with it. You know, It is a little more costly per unit sold, which is the nature of the beast. Timing and delivery has been a challenge, especially during COVID. It takes longer always, but it's really taken some longer times because of the challenges we've all had with COVID. There's a lack of options. Again, you get 80% 80 of the volume is with the top 10 players. 90% of the volume, I think, is with the top 25 players. So it's not like truckload. It's not like final mile. There is... Only so many people who've invested only so many companies who've invested in that uh very expensive space. And some of the challenges we have with it is uh handling the extra handling causes extra damage, extra loss. Again, I know they're working on those problems. And so what you described, uh David, is there is an alternative, and you described that alternative is there's a million ways to deliver those four or five pallets. there, there are Uh, companies that bring the technology, that bring the the carrier network and bring that final mile sensibility to this this middle mile and uh, much needed. So final thoughts before
1: we wrap this up. Final thoughts for me. Look, I think LTL is here to stay, but I think if customers are willing to expand the conversation and go back to the fundamental job that needs to be done, the challenge that they're having, or and and the solution that they've predicated their challenge on. I honestly think Warp's a phenomenal partner, but, but there are many other partners out there as well that are going to be able to solve your solve your challenges without necessarily using LDL, LTL. That being said, it's it's here to say that's kind of my piece there. And I know it's kind of vague. I know it doesn't touch on, you know, a logistics fix per se, but it is that open-mindedness that we have and that I've had personally for the last Five years that has gotten me to where I am today, and that has helped the shippers that I've worked with up until today. Right.
0: So before you go, Daniel, who is uh, Daniel? David, David. I'm looking
1: at. I'm looking at, That's okay. looking at Daniel's all, name all, all that right. I wrote down.
0: So, David, before you go, uh, who's the sweet spot for you? Who do you guys work with
1: at Warp? Um, sweet spot for us is going to be new business to let's say business that are on their way to establishing themselves in the U.S. market specifically. That are starting to look at expanding their horizons in terms of customer segments and bases across the country and how to enter those markets accordingly. Are these um, are these so, e-commerce companies or retailers? Yes. Oh yeah, of course, of course. I mean, look, at the end of the day, retailers are phenomenal businesses for us as well, right? Perishables are phenomenal spaces for us as well. Um, just because of the requirement for uh, the specificity of the, the 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 work that they need to be done but also like the degree of customer support and customer success and customer like care that they need and that we're really good at that so that's definitely a space that we're absolutely interested in and cold but then chain just solutions? like yeah so we do have cold chain solutions we offer reefer as well which has been really successful for us today
0: i should point this absolutely. out while we're talking about it in is uh One of the challenges sometimes with LTL, they do have some refrigerated, I think, some cold chain solutions. They do. But but the problem is that that door is always opening and closing at different locations. So the temperature control can be challenging. And I think also when you talk about food, we're talking about kind of this chain of custody. I can't have any pests, rodents, bugs get into that. I also can't afford for any lunatics to touch it, right? So, So there... I think most food companies like the idea of a dedicated asset for that movement.
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, and then price comes in, right? And then also, you think about the food producers out there. A lot of them are going to be the same or an, a slight, uh, a slight um, ver- change on what is the same. So, you know, I think if you're comfortable with sharing space, and you're all aware, like the perfect LTL solution is going to be where you have a multi-pickup scenario and you're going to deliver to, or or technically you're going to have a single pickup that people have dropped to. And then you're going to deliver those 15 different customers' pallets to one place. What's it going to be? A grocery store. If you can make that work, you know, you can see enormous cost savings. And to the carrier, you see enormous profit. Like the profit is wild in LTL. It's crazy. So everybody wins. And that's why I say, like, there's alternatives to LTL, but there's also very successful stories of LTL really helping customers, and especially when it becomes recurring. And that's why food perishables, you know, uh, is is such a great one for LTL if it works right. Because at the end of the day, you're delivering to the same spots, the same stores, the same grocery chains, whatever it is, and you've got the same partners sitting. I always imagine it like, uh, think of it like a Ryanair flight. So you know, you're sitting in there together but you're the same people going to the same holiday destination. So when you see each other once a year and you get on board the plane, you're saying, how are you, Johnny, Mike, good to see you, Sarah, Joanne, all that stuff. You know, think of it that way in the food space. It's the same perishable companies that are loading the same pallet. But you are right. You know, that's a really good observation you point out. And you also have to remember, there can be real, like the the, the way the world has changed in terms of heat, sheer temperature on the ground, The like, like reefers break down or reefers don't get uh, cooled down before the driver arrives so the driver can sometimes arrive and the reefer hasn't even been cooled down so you've just got a hot box in there but now what was supposed to be a 20-minute loading period is uh, potentially a 40-minute loading period because it takes time for the, the you know there's there's a lot of challenges that you have to think about there
0: so y- your sweet spot one more time
1: sweet sweet spots for us is any shipper that is uh, a like looking for visibility, looking for uh customers like really peace of mind, like the ability to switch off, the ability to know that their loads are in good hands, and then when we look at actual verticals simple,
0: simple pricing
1: <laughs> look that's 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 absolutely one of the challenges in the space, isn't it, and especially in ltl it's it's a minefield, it's harder than a game of chess. I can tell you that for 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 anyone who who doesn't play chess, you know how complicated it is. But the sweet spot for us is customers that are looking for a partner that will help them solve the challenges that they have in moving their loads. If it's LTL, if it's FTL, if it's going to be partial, if it's going to be the solutions that we offer inner city, intercity. Um, And finally, having that customer success team that we have at Warp that we're so grateful to have behind you. So that when you switch off your laptop at night and you go sit down for dinner with your kids and your family, you can really do that. You don't have to think about the load. And I think nice. that's one of the most... That, by the way, if I can just say, that's not a sales pitch. Our sales pitch is about to change and it's going to be interesting. It's changing from mass to middle mile to another tagline. And it's changing to the other tagline because our shippers have told us specifically, this is what you alleviate for me. I'm actually able to sit down in the evening and have a pint with a friend, have dinner with my wife, sit down with my kids, get out in the motorcycle. Whatever it is, and I'm and for us, that's profound. Like we're now, now. Piece of mind matters. (laughs) Exactly.
0: So, you guys, are you going to be out at the conferences?
1: Yes, we're actually headed home delivery. We're just uh, lining up what it is we'll be doing there. Uh, But I can promise you, so I will in August. Yeah, end of August, and uh, I can promise you, we've got some very, very exciting stuff going on. So look out! It won't just be at the event itself. There's a lot of fun things you can do in Philadelphia. And one of the things that Troy and and Daniel fortunately give me free reign to do is come up with some fun activations. I worked before, years ago, in wine distribution, marketing for wine and spirits. And my job was essentially coming up with crazy ways to connect people (laughs) to each other in a great environment. So look out for these Warp events, these Warp activations, because they're going to be a lot of fun.
0: Excellent. Well, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, link to Warp. And whatever the links you guys give me, I'll put those in the show notes. And great, um, David, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about this. Uh, ah, it's lovely speaking to you, Joe. You.
1: You're you're doing a great job, by the way. If it's any consolation, it's it's a great podcast. Like it's Thank you so much. a your your. I think what's fascinating for me is you're finding a way to connect with people. We talked about this before coming online. A lot of people work in this space and feel like they have to know absolutely everything, and that's very hard. Because There's so many the silos. Are That's outrageous. the challenge. The silos are crazy. And I think what you're doing a great job at, Joe, is just giving people a space where they can actually learn a little bit more without being overwhelmed. And personally, like, I learn every day. Like, I've been in this space for the years, for years, but I'm still learning every day. And it's if people like yourself that are creating that space, that nugget, that little gap there, where, you know, people <laughs> on the road driving trucks right now are going to be saying, like, oh, geez, I, did, I actually didn't know that. Thanks, Joe. Again, and- so well done to you.
0: Thank you so much. And I, I say this, my podcast is great because I have great guests like yourself. But I think also I've gotten feedback in the past where people say, I like it because it's not overly salesy. Because sometimes people, its not, we're all selling something, right? But there's also another piece, which is uh, there's so much tech jargon and there's just jargon in this business. And I've always tried to push that down. I started the logistics of logistics as a blog really with the idea that I'm just going to explain it because it can, yeah. there's so many pieces that are so confusing. And I think, uh, I mentioned this before we hit record. When I started my career, there was no internet. I know that seems like an un- impossible, Daniel, David, but that was the time. And uh, when it, when we didn't have that internet, we would just kind of be like, Oh, these guys are using jargon. I can't look it up. I can't figure it out. I would just, you have to kind of find a, a coworker who was friendly to educating you. So and never, I've never forgotten that. So anyway, thank I you can so imagine. much. For well, don't being forget, I,
1: I grew up on a farm, and so we didn't actually get broadband until two thousand and four or five. No joke, <laughs> we had the dial up until two thousand and four. You know, like until two thousand and four. So I completely appreciate that.
0: You live on that high tech high tech island. I thought everyone was connected.
1: I, I'm. I feel like as I get older, I'm getting less connected. You know, yeah.
0: where I can. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and being a great guest. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.